Yes, we are back. Show number 10. I'm Brad Grunny Grunberg, and that is... I am Eric the Fish Snyder. <laughs> and today, look who we have. We've got the very handsome Rob Mack. Yes. You, Rob. What's up, fellas? Yeah, Good. we're here. We're just chopping it up, waiting for you. Rob is a... Um, well, how I met Rob is there was a, um, a podcast network called Ever Talk TV in Beverly Hills. And I do a show called How to Start with Lauren Francesca. And I walked in and you did a show called uh, Good Morning La La Land, right? Right. And uh, Rob was one of the uh, the hosts of that show. And uh, it was great. And we just connected. Uh, it was just like, you know, I said, what's going on? Who's this handsome guy? And then he says, I'm a motivational speaker. I go, oh, man, that's good. We need that. And then I said, uh, life coach. I go, oh, well. <laughs> my, my, my buddy fish needs that he's he's a mess and uh we just i mean rob you're like a, you know you're 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 the light that comes into the room buddy I, I just wanted to tell you that to start out and uh thanks for being on the show oh i so appreciate being here you know i love you guys so much and the first conversation you and i had right we hit it out off right away because we have similar past experiences you know struggle with some stuff some similar stuff so I'm just grateful to be in conversation with you, truly. Right. No, I, pre I, I really do. It was really always nice to meet people that, you know, are going through some of the same stuff. And uh, I think I talked about my grandma and different stuff and the spirituality, which, you know, is so important. So let, take us back. Uh, where, where did it all start for you uh, in, in this uh, in this field? Yeah, uh, mostly unhappiness. <laughs> I mean, it started with just being so unhappy. I remember, you know, as a kid, I was stressed out and anxious a lot, you know, self hating, self-loathing. I always thought I'd grow out of that. You know, you think you grow out of it, like I'll become a professional basketball player. That was my dream. I wanted to be like Michael Jordan or Kevin Johnson or Tim Hardaway. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. So I just, all day, every day, I practiced a lot of sports and mostly basketball. Um, but the depression just got worse over time. And uh, it got so bad, I started to experience lots of suicidal ideation. Like I thought about killing myself a lot. Wow. Yeah. Where are you from? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a little town way outside of Pittsburgh called Washington, Pennsylvania. Wow. I know it. I know, you know it. it? I, well, my wife's from Youngstown, Ohio, Brad. So she has a lot of family in that part of uh, Pennsylvania. And that this young man in the middle right there, Brad, that is pure good Midwest stock. There, <laughs> when, when you know, you, when you when you fly in the real quick, I don't get back your tangent. But when you fly into Pittsburgh and you go to Youngstown. That's where Joe Namath grew up. That's where Tony Dorsett grew up. That's right. where Mike Dicker grew up. So if you play in basketball, I got to say something, Rob. Not only you're handsome, but you ruined me. You know how you ruined me? You were wearing glasses and you took it off and you could see. Oh, I was like, this fat bastard to say something. Go on, Brad, say it. Look at those Coke bottles, Rob. Look at this guy. He's got a raccoon sleeping on his head. <laughs> He's got a, and look, this is who I am. I'm a Freddie Flintstone. You know? yeah, that's great. Yeah. And he walks, walks into the buffet and goes, you ever, never do. And that's it. <laughs> and we always play this little game, uh, Rob. Uh, you know, uh, Fish has this raccoon sleeping on his head right now. You can't see it. Mm -hmm. His eyes are closed. Uh, yesterday, we, we came up with the uh, name Proudly. That's his name. You have another name for him? Uh, what do you think? What do you think that? That thing is on the top of his head. Well, give us a name. Just give oh us my a name. goodness, me? Yeah, just say, yeah, take a good look at it. You know, uh, <laughs> in there today. There's, I don't know what's in there, but uh, it's yeah, he's sleeping. But it's what do you think? Called it's called Jerry Curl. Something you want? <laughs> <Jerry. laughs> you can't strands. All right, well, I know about Jerry Curl growing up, man. I don't think you got a Jerry Curl on top there. It just looks smooth to me. Uh, it's All right, let's smooth. call him smooth. We'll call him smooth. Call How's smooth. that? Yeah, maybe put a V in there. It's smooth. Smooth. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Smooth. Well, there's J there's J hang on, guys. There's JB smooth and then there's fish raccoon smooth. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's right. Hey Rob, you know, you brought up you brought up suicide and and the fact that when I don't know anything about you, but Brad has talked such great accolades about yourself. And I want you to get into that because uh, my family's been ravished by suicide and you made it out of that. And the fact that you're a motivational speaker and life coach proves that your will and your heart and your passion, obviously, um, overcame any kind of maladies you had uh, in, in your inner inner soul. Talk about that. 
Yeah, um, I appreciate you saying that so much. I owe both of you a check. I don't know if you take Venmo, Zell, let me know what you take. <laughs> Be you sure take to say something. Take it all. Take it all. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, you know, I um, would like to think that it was uh, willpower and discipline. I mean, my certainly my father and my mom both have a lot of that. I think at the end of the day, I was just lucky to a large extent because I once I was trying to sort of get over past this depression stuff. I just couldn't figure it out, really. I didn't, I hadn't read a whole lot about it. I just knew that no matter what I did in my life, I seemed to feel worse for it. So like, even though I didn't accomplish my dream of becoming a professional basketball player, I did eventually get a good job and I had a girlfriend and I had friends because I didn't think I was going to have any of those things. You know, I really was convinced I'd always be uh, lonely and alone and a failure. And so despite doing well in school and doing well in some sports and those other things, I just couldn't take it. So one day I decided I was going to do some research. I looked at ways to kill myself and I decided I was going to slash my wrist. And uh, the strangest thing happened though, like right in the middle of that, like digging the knife into my wrist, I felt the most peace and love and joy that I'd ever felt in my life. And I felt it instantly. And I felt it in a way that I couldn't deny. And so I decided at that point I was going to postpone the suicide for like five or 10 minutes. It wasn't very long, man. It was like it. It was like 10 minutes. I was all I think I could you know, put up with was 10 more minutes of life. But in that 10 minutes, I started doing a slightly different kind of research. And I just looked up what is happiness? What is unhappiness? What is depression? What is, you know, the way out of all this? And, um, you know, I never really, for a long time, I didn't ever put off suicide entirely. I just postponed it. But every day it was like two steps forward and a thousand steps back. And then eventually one day I woke up and I realized, man, I haven't thought about killing myself for like at least 24 hours. You know, and I thought, wow, that's a huge accomplishment right there. And uh, so I stuck with it. And then one day it was like, I hadn't thought about suicide for a week. And then for long, it was like a whole year. And I thought, wow. So yeah, it was kind of an unexpected and unpredictable journey I had there. I lost my, uh, my prom date for life. My, uh, I mean, she was like the love of my life. We were just friends, but her name is Marlene. And uh, she talked to me about, you know, ending her life. She wanted to. And I said, why? You leave all the destruction behind you're in a better place and then I have to deal with this for the rest of my life and your nephew and your mom and your sister. And it was selfish. And I told her we cried and, and I really thought I got to her, but you know, you can't be with somebody 24 seven, you know, there, and that's the thing. I always, I, I honor her memory on her, uh, on her birthday or the day she took her own life to let people know that there are people and there are places to go to talk, you know, you don't need to do that. And just recently, it was just terrible. One of my dear friends lost his uh, lost his daughter, 13 years old. She took her own life because she was bullied and she broke up with her boyfriend. And this bullying has got to stop. I mean, this beautiful girl, 13. I'm like, what is going on? You know, but I I'm, I come from positivity. You know, I, you know, we all go through things in life. And I always and my dad's always taught me tomorrow's a brand new day clean slate you have a bad day today tomorrow's a brand new day and he's sitting right over there and he's 90 and a half years old so i think he uh he, he's on to something but you know it's it, it's just it's so sad and nowadays with with the de- divisiveness and and things that are going on in the world it's just horrible horrible rob that, that we see what's going on but thank god for you to so tell us you know what do you do? What if you if you if you if you're friends with somebody or you know somebody who's having these thoughts? What 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 do you recommend do? Uh, suicide nine eight eight or what, yeah what yeah I, I always I would say also you know like definitely you want to seek professional help right you want to seek professional help that's most important if you've got someone who's thinking about suicide or talking about suicide um, or just talking about how they feel like the world or their loved ones would be better off without them. You know, spend most of your time, if you can, just listening at first. Really just try to listen. Um, sometimes we get in there and we want to fix right away. We want to convince them otherwise right away. That generally doesn't work very well. Um, that generally just feeds the problem to a large extent. Um, but you really want to try and the best you can to get them professional help. There's obviously a hotline. You can dial like you said, 988. I mean, there's options that exist. And there are really is countless resources available out there in the world to help people deal with whatever it is that they're dealing with, including suicidal ideation and you know, 
suicidal planning. The other thing I'll say, Brad, you said something really fantastic, man. I, I think that part of the challenge when you're going through tough stuff, and we've all been there before, whether you've been suicidal or just had a bad day, is that when you're going through it, sometimes when you're on the inside, it doesn't feel like you're being selfish. You know, In fact, sometimes you want to take your own life or you want to do something to yourself because you feel like, the world would be better off without you or your loved ones would be better off without you. You're, you're a burden or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important to sort of recognize that too, that, you know, when folks are in that place, it's not easy to see clearly. And most folks aren't intending in any way to be selfish at all. In fact, they're often struggling with the opposite end of that spectrum, which is just feeling like, you know, they are being selfish by staying alive, which is, which is, which is not true. So please know that. Uh, but yeah, Brad, so I love you pointing that out. Also, I'm so sorry to hear about your loss, man. That is just, yeah, it's, it's, um, that is. it's with me. It's with me every day. Well, on a happier note, uh, you know, this life coach stuff. I mean, I know somebody who needs, need <laughs> oh, oh, there he is. <laughs> he looks like there's a raccoon on his head and he looks through these Coke bottles. Uh, how, you know, so where do you start with people that uh, use your services? They reach out to you. How does that all start? And how does that Yeah. Work? We, we usually just start by drinking. We go right in, hit some tequila shots. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well, I'll dance this, get this party started. That's right. Instant happiness. Um, no, I generally just try to meet people with where they are. You know, I think most people don't need or want advice as much as they simply just want attention. And I mean that in most positive way. Affection. You know, they want someone that can listen. So I try and do what I can to just listen to people and listen from my heart, not just from my head, reflect back what I heard them say in my own words without judgment, create a safe space, you know, so they can share generously and without fear of judgment. And then from there, we dive into really more deeper questions around it. So I like asking open-ended questions that are innocent and just meant to help us understand the cause of whatever it is that they're struggling with or feeling challenged by. Um, but yeah, I think over the course of the 20 years that I've been doing it, I've gotten better about not making it feel so formal and uncomfortable or so, you know, not routine. Um, but yeah, it's just mostly a lot of conversation. Sometimes there are exercises attached to it. Uh, but the idea mostly is like, you know, people are wanting a friend ultimately. They just want a friend. Some, right. Some people are just lonely. Yeah. Physical, physical illness, we can't overcome. If you get cancer or you get sick, you, you, you go through the motions of going to a doctor. But right now, in these times, Brad's right, mental illness is at an all-time high. And you see, and I don't want Debbie Downer here, but you see all these mass shootings and 90% of these people are mentally ill and could never, were never able to get a gun, and we suffer because of it. You being a life coach, and, and, and I'm really interested in the motivational speaking, do you take, because I, I, I look at a life coach as a therapist, okay? And I look at you, because you've been to the deepest, darkest part of your own body, your own soul. Do you reach out to people? Do you just deal with suicide, uh, uh, trying to get people over those thoughts of suicide? Or do you, does there, is there a different, bigger spectrum that you could deal with getting people on the right side of their brain and moving along with their life? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, you're exactly right. You know, unhappiness can show up or manifest itself in so many different forms. Sometimes it shows up like suicidal ideation or depression. That's at the far end of the spectrum. But often for the rest of us, it's stress, it's anxiety, it's a lack of self-confidence, it's trouble communicating, it's uh, trouble or frustration around getting a you know, new job or a better job or landing the gig or stage fright or any of that stuff, right? So it's really anything and everything that bothers you or disturbs your peace is something that I talk to people about. Uh, it can be financial, it can be relational or social, it can be physical sometimes, um, you know, so, so, so it sort of runs the whole gamut. But anything basically that involves the mind, which is almost everything, uh, is something that I usually and uh, generally touch on and help people with, support people with. Um, I, an addendum to that, uh, you know, Brad's parents, uh, you know, Jerry and, and Sandy have been so instrumental in producing that. I make fun of them a lot, but that's a great person. Yeah. And my parents always said to me, in your inner and social circle, have people around you that make you happy that are positive, okay? And that's what I do. You know, the only problem with this this bastard sitting next to you, <laughs> to a restaurant, he always goes, like Larry David episode, he always goes He always goes to the bathroom when the check comes. Disappears, you know? <laughs> huh? Other than yeah. that, I got a call I got to take. <laughs> well, look, 
You know what? Even raccoons have to eat. You know. We have to so and I, I, do you prescribe to that 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 adage that you know? Because I do. I mean, I keep everyone in my social circle. I don't care if it's family. If you're negative, get the hell out. I, I just love that so much. I just saw this uh, actually an interview. It was with Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. You know, and they asked Charlie a question of that nature and Warren a question of that nature, and they both basically said, "Hey, you know, if there are toxic people in your life and." Toxic doesn't just mean um, unhappy people. You can be unhappy, you can be depressed. But if you're aspiring to be happy, you're trying, you're working on it, okay, that's fine. But there are some people that don't have good intentions necessarily, right? Especially those people, the ones that don't want you to be happy. They get in the way of you being happy. They, they would prefer you not be happy. Those people in particular, you want to be real careful of. And I'm a big proponent of surrounding myself with and trying to surround my loved ones with and people I care about with happiness and with happy people. That's just so critical, man, because emotional contagion is a real thing. I mean, you can pass emotion through a screen, through a TV screen, through a computer screen, through an iPhone screen. You can pass it 3,000 miles away in one, with one glance or with one picture or with one video. So it's highly contagious. It's more contagious than anything else on the planet. And when I think about my own like journey to happiness and uh, to peace and, and to self-love, I have to say that it was the happy people, or at least the people that were aspiring to be happy, that made the greatest difference in my life. That's why I love... You fish so much. That's why I love Brad so much, man, because you guys consistently bring such positive, happy, joyful energy, you know, love and light to my life, really, genuinely. And you do it even even when I don't see you every day, you know, as soon as I connect, we connect on the line here on the you know, site here. I just feel that instant optimism and happiness and uh, sunshine that I just love so much about you all. So, yeah. Yeah, Rob, let's leave Fish out of this. Okay. <laughs> That's right. He's got to buy his way in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's got a long way to go. Let me, when I was a kid, I, I there was, uh, when cable started, I, way before you were born in Pittsburgh, there was something called the Z Channel. And then there was a public access uh, channel number three, uh, channel three. And I used to watch it and I would flip the channels and I saw this unbelievable guy, uh, Dr. David Viscott. He was a, a therapist, he was a psychologist, and he said the most unbelievable thing. He says, your friends and family wish you well, but not that well. <laughs> and that stuck with me because it's like, I wish everybody, I want everybody to have the piece of the pie, the happiness, the, you know, the financial security, all that stuff. But, you know, recently I've gotten rid of a lot of people in my life who I thought were my friends, but just were bringing me down. And you know what? I'd rather have you know, my grandma always said your 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 uh, your circle of friends will become smaller and smaller as you get older. You know, and it's true. And you know, positivity, good people, love—that's what you should surround yourself with, not the dreck of the world that brings you down. Oh, woe's me! I'm a victim. I'm bitter. I'm angry. Right? I yeah, mean, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and it, it could be you know, um, such a beautiful, wonderful life when <clears throat> when you live in that energy and you're surrounded by that energy you know it's just an, and it can be a terribly miserable life when you don't when you aren't surrounded by that energy it can be really tough and you're right i think less is more um and frankly if that less is better right uh it ends up being more you know there's something else you said there which i thought was profound and super dope which is like the other thing i think is most of us i think all of us on some level are selfish and that's not the worst thing in the world to be a little selfish i mean thank god that we're all a little selfish because it means we can mostly take care of ourselves and not depend on everybody else to take care of us. But it's a good reminder at the end of the day too, that, you know, if you want to be happy, do everything you can to surround yourself with happy people, with peaceful people, with loving people, but also remember it's not their job to make you happy or make you feel peace or make you feel love because they're not, and they're not going to be very good at it. You know, I promise like even <laughs> me, I try very hard to make my clients happy and to, support people with happiness, but there are certain moments when I might say something or do something, even out of the best intentions, that don't necessarily make someone feel better, right? Which is great in a way, because it reminds people that the source of happiness and peace and love is within themselves. So, you know, you want to surround yourself with happy people, yes, just don't depend on them to always and forever do a great job of making you feel what you want to feel. Right, you and you, that's what you do for a living. You listen to people, you're a great listener, you give advice, but that person that you're helping has to make themselves happy first. They have to worry about themselves, not all these other things that surround them. You know, now fish here is an amazing guy. We connected many, many years ago. And then we reconnected. 
He's a bartender and he hears stories all day, all night. And when people drink, I call it truth serum because, you know, they really speak, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, they've had the, the couple of shots and they're, they're lucid. They're like, oh man, let me tell you this story. They, they wouldn't maybe if they weren't drunk, you know, or tipsy. So, oh, without yeah. question. I mean, I let fish talk about this, but I would say the greatest therapist I know tend to not go by or have a title of therapist, right? They're bartenders, they're hairdressers, you know, they're, um, you know, uh, lift drivers. Know. I was a lift yes, driver. Yes, yes. Moms and dads. Okay. Oh, without question, without any question about it. So, yes, Fish, I can um, officially or unofficially go ahead and just give you the PhD in therapy right now. And, you know, you're essentially a, a psychologist by yeah. trade here. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, boy, I've been a marriage counselor now for 42 years. <laughs> I've, talked, I've talked people off cliffs. I've talked people on the cliffs. Yeah. But Brad's a thousand percent right that when you start drinking, man, the real emotions come out. Motivational speaking, Mr. Mack. Mm. Um, I, 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 I've never been in a room where there's a motivational speaking, but I've seen it in the movie Up in the Air with George Clooney, which I, which I thought was brilliant. And you've seen Tony Robbins. Are you hired by, let's say you're hired by a big real estate company to go into that room of 100 guys that are trying to get those sales and build up their self-esteem and build up their egos and go out there? Or are you a motivational speaker, so to speak, that just goes into a room and brings up everybody and brings, hey, stay away from the narcissism and be the good people we're talking about? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say ultimately probably a little bit of both. At the heart of what I do is really a science, and the science is um, positive psychology. So it's about a 20-year-old science, and it's mostly the empirical study of what makes life worth living and the ways in which happiness and success do and don't support each other, right? So most of us think if you're successful, you'll be happy. Uh, of course, most of us here know that's not true. You know, you could be super wealthy. We know super wealthy people. We all know very famous people, and they aren't all you know, perfectly happy by a long stretch. And we know people that don't have hardly any money at all and they're not known by anyone or very many people at all. And they're extraordinarily happy, for instance, right? So we know success doesn't lead to happiness. And what's interesting about this science is that it does say happiness leads to success. So if you can find a way to enjoy each day more, each moment more, you can, you'll find yourself living an increasingly successful life in the long term, right? So happy people make more money over the course of their entire lifetime, like six hundred to $700,000 on average, more than their unhappy counterparts. They get married early, stay married longer, and happy in all the relationships, whether they're married or not. They experience better health. Um, they tend to win at more things. You know, they are rated as more attractive. Hence, you two beautiful, <laughs> handsome young men here. I mean, it's just incredible the ways in which happiness enhances the likelihood, increases the likelihood of anything and everything you want to achieve, accomplish, or acquire. So lots of the talks that I give are really meant to help remind people of that. They're like, yeah, go for your goals and dreams, but also remember that life is to be lived now. And if you don't live now, you're missing the most precious and prosperous um, sort of place in your life, which is, which is the present moment. I wish more people would touch lives. You know, if we all did one little thing to touch somebody's life or buy somebody a burger who's, you know, hungry. I mean, this world would be such a better place, you know, and right. And money and success brings on more problems. You know, all the people that come out of the woodworks and, you know, want something from you and want this or want to borrow money or need a job and all this stuff. And you want to help everybody. And some people help no one, you know, but, uh, but let me ask you this, Rob, uh, we do this on the show way back in Pittsburgh. What was your first job as a kid? A pain. Oh, what was that? Your Gosh. first job that you knew? Mine was, uh, believe it or not, fish working at McDonald's. They fired yeah. me for yeah. I wanted to be paid in burgers. But that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. I can appreciate that. <laughs> what was your first job? Oh man. Well, I remember trying to start a lawn mowing business, like a like a grass mowing kind of business. Um, that didn't go very well. Then I tried to shovel snow. That didn't go very well. Then my first real job working for someone else, I believe, was at a movie theater. I worked at a movie theater, and it was part fun and funny, and it was part really annoying and sucked because you had to, like, scrape gum oh. off the chairs, and you had to walk in there. And sometimes people were doing things in the movie theater they should not be doing. <laughs> right? So um, that was a tough job. I also worked at a natural gas plant 
like underground in oh, a hazmat wow. uniform. I was a valet. Um, I worked moving furniture. That was tough. One time we had an MGB fall off a ramp and we and the guys that we had to catch the MGB in the car. So I had a lot of crazy jobs growing up. That's uh, but didn't that make you the man you are today? You know, those jobs, right? You know, you know, fish were my dad told me to do it. He made yeah. me do it. He said, I'm gonna make sure that you yeah, do right. a lot of jobs that you hate. <laughs> so exactly. that you finally, yeah. Yeah, fish. Uh, fish worked on his hair a lot when he was. A kid. <laughs> That's why it's perfect now. <laughs> it looks fantastic. Oh, oh, oh! By the way, the raccoon's awake. I saw an eyeball. Hey, Rod, get your rabies shot. You never know when I attack. <laughs> Real quick, gentlemen, I got to ask Rob to be a life coach right now because Brad, I I feel Brad is going to bolt town. We bet. The Golden State Warriors and the Lakers. I took the Lakers. He took Golden State. There's a good chance Brad Brad's gonna bail, man. He's gonna be he's gonna be witness protection because he doesn't like losing. <laughs> They're gonna win three in a row. Come on now. There they are. <laughs> okay, Rob, you're Rob, right. Do you, follow, do you follow the NBA? You follow. I, I do second? follow the NBA. I have to admit, and I and I and I preface this with love. I love. I am a huge Golden State Warriors fan. I was a Golden State Warriors <laughs> fan before Curry. And oh play. yes, and, yeah. Mitch Richmond and Chris Butler, like those days. Chris Mullins. Oh wow. Yes. yes. So what yes. was your what was your thing? Were you you had great handles? Were you a great? Uh, you yeah, know? I was a point guard. I was a point oh, guard. Sorry. So yeah, I was I was like a huge Allen Iverson fan. I mean, I loved all those. Anybody could, you know, cross anybody else over, put it behind their back. You know, I love that yeah. stuff because I was a little smaller. Like, at that Jason time. Williams. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Uh, White chocolate. His game is so dope. Oh. Hey yes. guys, yeah. Brad, we you and I go back to Clifford Ray and Rick Barry. Oh right? yeah, that's right. That's he he right. throws handed. I'm like, hey Rob, have you ever thought about getting into acting? Because yeah, you know Brad Rob. needs a Brad needs a better looking stunt double. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. You're such a handsome. Talk about forget about this on top of my head. <laughs> and you got you got to get where, where do you where do you live right now? Brad? I would love that, man. I spent my time between LA and Miami. I've been in Miami a lot. Um, more recently and I did for when I I had a management consultant job and I was going back to business school and I happened to fall into the entertainment business for a while and I was acting for a while I did a show on the CW called South Beach it was short-lived very short-lived we're in that show yeah yeah I was in that show I know like a model abusive boyfriend uh sort of character named Paco and I loved that stuff man but at the time I don't know how you two do it but at the time I was still really growing as a person and I don't think I was able to really truly embrace being an actor the way, and I didn't have quite enough life experience maybe to sort of embrace roles the way maybe I could now. Um, but yeah, you know, if you guys got any role, you know, you need to stand in or something like that. You just oh, call me. Get, call number. get out the SAG card, baby. Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> That's fantastic. You know, no, it's just, uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, um, Things happen in life and you learn from them. I have to say one thing, Rob. I'm so thankful and grateful that that knife didn't go through your wrist because you wouldn't be here today. Thing, I'm so spiritual. Uh, spirituality means a lot to me. I have to tell this story because you. I want to hear your your thoughts on it. So I had this, this young man in the back of my lift and we were talking and he's an actor and his parents were Russian. They didn't want him to be an actor. And... I go, well, you know, and he, he was very close to his house. I go, why am I picking you up? He goes, well, I got, um, I got caught uh, drink, uh, drinking and driving twice, and uh, they took away my license. But the third time, uh, I wanted to talk to you about it. I go, oh, wow, what happened? He goes, I, this is crazy. In L.A., he was, he got drunk again. He was on his way downtown L.A. to jump off a building, oh. and cops pulled him over. And that changes life. Now, what are the chances of him going from his house downtown to jump off this building and living? So I shut off the meter. I said, listen, man, I got to talk to you about something. There is a reason why you're here. You should be dead. And he just said, really? I go, yeah, man, you need to help people. You can still be an actor, but share your story with people. Buddy, you're a dead man. I mean, there are so many people that drink and drive in this town and you were pulled over. And it was just, it, it really was an amazing moment for me because I hope I got through to him and I hope he's doing well today. But I mean, spirituality has so much to do with life. 
Uh, everybody, you know, everybody can, you know, they, there's different religions. I always believe it's it's a higher power and that God is just dressed differently. We all believe in some higher power, you know. I love but, that so uh, much. Yeah. And I love the story so much, man. You're absolutely right about that. I think you and I share very spirit, uh, similar uh, spiritual um, beliefs, um, the approaches. You know, um, there's an expression I like to remind myself of, which is that, you know, um, every religion um, basically says that it's the only religion or the best religion. But the one has no religion, you know, sort of embraces, accepts all religion, loves all religion kind of thing. And the idea is the same there for you, you know, for, for, for me in terms of also this sort of like divine intervention, if we want to call it that, that happened with him. And I've seen that happen in my life over and over again as well, both with my own experience where I had this sudden peace that erupted out of nowhere when I sort of dug the knife in. I had one situation where I, after Good Morning La La Land one day, the show that you were on, uh, Brad, you know, I went across the street, had to pick up something. I'm leaving the store and this guy stops me and says, oh man, I liked what you have on. I like your clothes. And I just thought it was going to be a regular small talk kind of conversation. Uh -oh. And then he said, what do you do for a living? And I started telling him what I do and why I do it. And I said, I was, you know, suicidal, depressed, this and that. And I see this guy to my right. I didn't notice him the whole conversation. He was just standing there. And all of a sudden he's like crying, you know, just tears coming down his eyes. And I'm thinking I insulted this guy that I offended him in some way. And I turned to him and said, hey, are you okay, brother? Did I say something that you know, hurt your feelings? Because I didn't intend that at all. You know, I was just sharing my own story. And he said, no, Rob, Rob, today was the day. Today was the day I was going to kill myself. But now hearing what you just shared, I'm not going to do it. And I'm like, whoa, what? Like, incredible. So, yes, Brad, I love what you're saying here. Yeah, he ran into you. Out. And Were you at the market across the street? Is that where I was, you were? I, I was actually at, where was oh. I at? I was at. Oh. Nordstrom Rack, probably. Oh, okay, Nordstrom Rack, of course. Yeah, right Hello. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Right, right oh, down that, oh, man, that is a great story. See, five minutes either way, you're still trying a, a shirt on, and you don't meet that guy and his buddy there, and he starts crying, and, and you saved his life. See, yeah. that's the wonderful world we live in. You know, that's about touching lives, and, you know, and, and, I, I can ask you about this. You know, LA, there's so many homeless people. It's the saddest thing I've ever seen. I'm a born and raised LA guy, native. Can we ever do anything to help this? I mean, I, we have a great mayor now. She's trying, but it's it's not, there's no magic bullet for that. There's no magic bullet, you know. A lot of them are, and you have it in, do you have, is, is, there's, is there a lot of homeless in Miami? Um, there not like LA, not like LA. Um, and that, and that is both a, um, that is both interestingly enough, a good and a bad thing in the, in the respect that the politics here are a lot different, right? A lot different in Florida than they are in, uh, Los Angeles and particularly for California overall. Um, and so, you know, there is a um, much different approach. Um, so we don't see as many homeless people. That doesn't mean that there aren't as many homeless people that, are from out, uh, Miami or from Florida that maybe you just don't see and, you know, because there's just different politics. So there's that, right? Now, that all being said, I will say and agree with you. I think there are so many things and challenges and problems in the world that can make you so sad. And that is one of them. When a person doesn't have basic necessities, yeah. home, shelter, you know, protection from the elements, eating, cooling, running water, any of those things, deeply disturbing. I mean, I think all we can do is help with what we have. So if you have a little extra, you know, cash for sure, if you have, and you can dedicate it to a good cause or to a good, an individual that needs some help. Um, if you don't have that, sometimes we don't have that. You have time, you have energy, sometimes just love, sometimes just prayers. You know, it doesn't, it can feel so minuscule and so trivial relative to what the person's going through. But sometimes it's those little things that can lead someone to feel a little extra hope. And they might do the one extra thing that day that leads to some kind of improvement in their lives. So you just want to, I think, do what you can with what you have. And at the same time, try not to make things work or, or worse or make the pain more painful by either beating yourself up for all that you can't do or taking it out on people that for all intents and purposes are doing the best they can at the, right. you know, with what they have. Well, can I, can I jump in on that one, Brad? You know, they, sure. unfortunately, being from LA and LA has it, we have, we have homeless here in Las Vegas and there's many tests and Rob could attest to this, many studies that, homelessness is 90% mental illness and drug addicts, you know, and am I, am I right, Rob? And how do yeah. you, we talked about mental illness earlier in the, on the podcast, but if you're a druggie and you know, if you, 
I, I don't want to mention names, but I've had friends that are druggies and some family members, and there's only so much you could do if they don't want to help themselves, and you discard them, and then you see them end up on the street. And because what they – people don't realize when you're a drug addict what you do to your family, okay? Mm -hmm. That's the one thing. I don't know if Brad's ever had any people in their family or in his family or friends or you, Rob, but when someone's a drug addict, you go with them on that journey, although you're not actually doing the heroin. And there comes a time you got to go, you got to go the tough love and they're on the streets and it's sad, but sometimes you have to, you have to be narcissistic. Like you said, Rob, about yourself. That's why I think selfishness comes in. I can't take this crap anymore. You know, I've done all I can for you. If you don't want to help yourself. Yeah. I don't you, want you in my life. Sorry. You, I don't care if you're family. You, you, you know, know, it's really, and Rob, isn't it, it? They're numbing pain. They're numbing the pain that they, that's, that's where it starts. That's why they're doing the drugs and, and the alcohol because they just cannot take it. And that makes them feel better for what a short time and, and they need it again. You, you just nailed it there, Brad. You know, at the end of the day, you know, again, unhappiness manifests and expresses itself in so many different forms. It looks so different. It's a, it's a, you know, a drug addict over here and someone who's an alcoholic over here. It's someone who has a sex addiction over here. It's someone who's a workaholic over here. It's someone who doesn't want to work at all over there. Right. So it shows up in different ways. It manifests itself in different ways. At the very core and the essence of it, though, to your point, are people who are experiencing um, lots of pain and suffering and that don't really have the tools and were never really taught or given the tools to overcome or heal or navigate that pain and suffering. So it's like, you know, I don't want to get too technical, but it's like the ability to regulate your emotions, the ability to be uh, cognitively agile, to basically think what you want to think when you want to think it and change the way you feel, the ability to self-soothe, you know, all of these things that... We have to teach ourselves when we're darn near, you know, middle age before we really learn them. All that stuff is something that can be taught at a very early and young age that could help to prevent or at least stave off a lot of these other greater societal or social problems that we see everywhere, right? The homelessness, the addiction. And so, yes, um, it's people that are, uh, it looks like the addiction um, is the pain, but the addiction is their attempt to deal with the pain, but unsuccessfully. Right. Yeah. Well, if someone wanted to hire Robert Mack to yeah. be a motivational speaker or a life coach, where do we go to do this? Oh, man. Well, I mean, you could just hit up you two guys right away, probably. I think you guys are each my best publicist <laughs> right there. So um, I'd say also folks can go to my website at coachrobmack.com. You can check me out at any, most all of the social media platforms out there, probably most consistently Instagram at robmack, M-A-C-K official. Check out both my books, uh, the published ones at least, Happiness from the Inside Out and Love from the Inside Out, everywhere great books are sold, including Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Uh, if you're having a problem and you need some, someone to talk to, and I think Rob Mack is your man. I really do, Rob. Rob, you're, you're really, you're a salt of the earth, man. And we thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, you'll come back? You'll come Absolutely, back. man. You don't know, I get, I get shivers because... I love and appreciate you so much. You know that we have a, a, a real personal bond. And we met for a reason, right? We met for a reason, Rob. Right, and indeed. We'll, we'll get rid of fish and we'll just do it. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be sticky. I don't think it's going to be hard to get rid of fish. And, and by the way, we got a party with you, buddy. We got to, you know, we got to, the three of us got to get it going on. And, Please, uh, let's oh, do it. And if you're in, in Vegas, right, uh, he, uh, Rob can come see you at the Shucks Tavern, right? There it is. Oh, there wow. Yeah. Oh, Rob, I, I would love to invite you to the restaurant and uh, and just Jeez. just chop it up with you because, you know, speaking to a guy like you that's gone from the bottom to the top doesn't always have to be a light show. It's about inspiration and you inspire me. And I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a loose cannon idiot. I have to wear glasses because I see triple of everything. I mean, seeing triple of Brad, it hides, it hides the sunset. But that being said, <laughs> seeing you, 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 I'm not saying this to kiss your ass, but you inspire. If you're ever in Vegas, we'll hook up, all right? I would love that, man. Seriously. And please know something else. It takes light to recognize light. So everything you said about me is definitely true of you, man. And that's exactly how I feel about each of you. Thank Truly, you. I feel inspired. I love that you all in, invited me into the conversation. Let's do it. Yeah. Rob, stay safe and uh, healthy, and uh, we'll see you soon, all right? See you soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. I'm okay. back. Bye. I'm back, everybody. Yeah, baby. He'll cross wow. over. That guy's got great handles. I know he does. Still to this day. Gorgeous. You know, yesterday we got Vanessa Ciros on, and then you bring this guy on. They should. I love John Orlando, and he's going to kill me for saying that. But if he can't close the deal, let's fix these two up.
I know, I know. What are you, Chuck Woolery all of a sudden? What are you, uh, Jim Lang? What's What are you doing this now? Uh, Tell me about yourself and your hair and and that schnozzola of yours and those glasses, okay? Hey, hey, you know what? Michael Imperioli's got nothing on me. I'll tell you. (laughs) You know, you bring this guy on and what makes podcasts have that wow moment. He was so cerebral and so honest. No, not many people want to talk about being suicidal and then getting out of that and coming to the moment where, you know what, now I am, I'm using the word inspiration. I can't tell you, I got to, I, I, I'm juiced up, juiced up over this guy. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad, I'm glad you could bring light into his life. That's what you do. You make fun of everybody, but look, you know, Hey, by the way, you're wearing the same fucking shirt you're wearing yesterday. Yeah, I, I can't been, get to the dry cleaners. Sitting in my office waiting for this show, you know, I, I have no life. I just had a, you know, I eat and, and do our podcast. That's my life. But yeah, uh, yeah. the waters lose. I, hey. I, I bring the shirt back because I knew you were going to make fun of me. So not making. I'm. Uh, you make fun of me more than make fun of you. You <laughs> just show up and because we love. We kid because we love. Right. Love. Yeah. So, you know what's great about Rob? This is great. He went through a very dark time. He was able to see the light and, and and reach the other side. Now he wants to help people who have gone through the same. And that's beautiful. You know, a lot of people keep stuff that they to be honest, you know, be be uh, forthright and, and tell people, listen, I've gone through the same thing. This is what happened to me. And I got there. I got to where I needed to be. Look at me now. You can do the same. So uh, Rob is just a wonderful guy. You know, you don't you don't quit. Brad Gromberg no. doesn't quit. Brad Gromberg's been in 120 uh, shows, but there was a time when you weren't working. So what did you do? You, you're driving a lift. You're doing what well, you have. You got to do it. If you, yeah, if you have a dream, go for it. And, and you got to do what you got to do. I mean, like I always ask, we always ask people what they did before they made it or they found their career. Listen, all that stuff is the stepping stones to where you want to go or where you have to be or what you're doing now. And, it just doesn't happen. You don't just become the number one bartender in the world, like you, buddy, and just an all-around no. great guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you are. You're, 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 listen, you're one of the best. I've seen a lot of bartenders. You are the one of the best. You are. You, you've motivated me. You said what you want to be and what you want to do. I'm six, I'll am i be 63 soon. Everyone knows that. They're tired of hearing about that shit. But I have a, I have, now I have a path to end my life. I'm going to become an optometrist. <laughs> I'm the new Al Davis <laughs> with George Carlin. Bradley, we get two days. You, this is so great. I got some memes to show you because okay. I I want to lighten it up. So I want I like to show Brad these memes. We talk about it on Fat Fish. He has no idea what I'm going to show him, but I want his comic response. And I want you to read. If you could read some of the captions on this, Brad, take it away. Look at this one. It's called Speed Up. <laughs> oh man that's true oh god that's true that is true just speed up you got this that's not oh, both yeah. shots what are you yeah. evil knievel you what are you what, what are you you're gonna jump the the fountain at caesar's wow that's scary <laughs> right, oh, right. That's for, for our listening viewers because we I've, I've been told uh, it, there there's a big big divot in the road probably about 15 feet and the sign says, as you're approaching it, just speed up a bit. You got this. You know, wait, wait. So. you're calling that a divot? That's like uh, the Grand Canyon. Look at that thing. That's oh, canyon. Yeah, that's yeah. not a divot. Okay. <laughs> wow, that's a good one. That's a good one. Check this one out. <laughs> oh, my God. He's, oh, look at that guy. He has a top on. He's a no, that, that, that. So the guy has, since when was chest hair? I can't even read it. So the guy, the guy has so much chest hair that he has it designed as a bra. Okay? Right, right, right. He, we're not, we're not making it into a bra. Yeah. No oh, observations, no judgments here. No, but we, it's, we know where he's heading in his gender. We know. Okay, yeah, that's, well, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. That guy's a hairy beast. That's a hairy guy. Oh my god. How about this one? This is. <laughs> I saw this. I you see it? I couldn't even put it on. I was laughing so hard. Sometimes you have to admit it's time to retire, and it's a lady trying. <laughs> oh, okay. Is that a nurse trying to give a kid a? a... It, it's a nurse trying to give a kid a vaccination. Vaccination. The mother that's holding the kid has a nice breast there, and the syringe goes in the breast. Oh, oh. gosh! Look at that. 
<laughs> mother. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's funny. She missed. Oh, grandma. She grandma. Time to, yeah. It's time to, time to put down the syringe. Yeah. Hang it up. <laughs> time to retire. Hope Silicon Valley isn't watching. Oh, that is funny. Oh. Now, when we end this, we have two more. The last oh, one. Please, we please, no more. No more. Well, after the next one, we have two more. The next one I'm going to show you, the last one's going to be potential date for Brad Grumberg. We're going to right. oh, call me oh. Jim Lang dating game. Here we go. Look at this one. Don't piss off old people. The older we get, the less life in prison is a deterrent. <laughs> Guys all tatted up. Look at that guy. Don't piss off old people because, yeah, but the old. What, what is an 80 year old? Like, you watch these old shows, the, the Goodfellas, some of these movies, the guys are in their 90s and they get life. Big yeah. deal, you know. <laughs> right, and then they just they just f with people all day long in jail, right? That's all they know. They they're in for life. So I'm just gonna mess with that guy, do that guy. He's gonna put money into my uh, what do you, what do you call it in, into your account, right? When you want to get stuff from uh, Demos and uh, Zell, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, but in prison you have oh. like an account, you know. Oh, oh uh, yeah. Oh, that. you've been in prison. You tell me. No, <laughs> I I have a couple of friends that told me about that. What's it yeah, called? I really, yeah, I do really well in prison. Okay, please. Yeah. Well, we all know you'd be in the kitchen. Come on. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be working the kitchen. Yeah. Working the kitchen. And chef, uh, and chef. We, we had a wonderful yeah. guest on yesterday, um, uh, Vanessa Ceros, and she's she works at Wet Republic. We said, we got to get Brad a date. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, Wet Republic. I'm going to be there this summer for sure. Yeah. So we said, I'm not a prostitute. We're going to get him. A prostitute. <laughs> oh, 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 he's smoking. She's smoking too. <laughs> we got someone built a snow person for people on Spotify, and they have nice breasts and and it's got red lips, sunglasses. God, it looks better than me. And and a cigarette. It's called a prostitute. So, Brad, you got to um, go somewhere and start. You always say, "Where did you start?" There yeah. you go, buddy. Prostitute. Oh, that's great. That's funny. I love it. I love it. Oh, look at that. Oh, Frankie. Now that's the best bartender in the history of bartending. That right. Huge. Huge. Oh, this guy couldn't oh, this guy, you couldn't hold this guy's jock strap. Let me tell you something. This Frankie is the man. He was on our show. We love you, Frankie. Good man. Good man. You Frankie. find great people. You find great people, Fish. I, I tell you, you surround yourself with really good people. I mean, you talk to so many people at work and around Vegas, but you, you, I mean, I think good people attract other good people, you know. Let's hope. Say, you know, look, the, what, what, you know, we talk about, we have Rob on and we'll end it on this note. Woody, what's the alternative to not trying to be happy or making someone laugh? You don't want to be around people that are constantly narcissistic, talk yeah. about themselves, think right. that the, they're the hero of their own stories because it gets old after a while. Yeah. Make someone laugh. I make people laugh. Look, people, my, my wife said it at dinner one time, all right? And some of her family's there. And, and I remember it was one of her cousins says, what are you doing with this idiot? Me, me. He goes, all he does is joke. And he jokes and makes jokes. And he's never serious. And my wife says to everyone, you know what? The reason why I married Eric is because every single day we've been married. At the time, it was 30 years, four years ago. We had this dinner. Every day that, we, that I'm with this man, he makes me laugh. And there's an awkward pause. And I say, yeah, I get naked. And she laughs. <laughs> but that's what it's all about. Oh, sure is the best medicine for anything. I mean, that's why that's why I do what I do. I love making people laugh. I have a gift. When I was a kid, I was always making my friends laugh, always getting in trouble with my teachers. But I think laughter is what it's all about. You know, if you can't laugh at yourself, right? Who can you laugh at? Were you that guy? Everyone had one in their high school and junior high school. It always got thrown out of the class because they were they were mimicking the teacher or doing something stupid. Or drawing a picture of a dick, you know, and putting it on, on the girl's binder when she wasn't looking. And, hey, look at Mr. Hey, Mr. Rothschild. Look what Sarah drew, you know. <laughs> I you know. I just made fun of my friends and made stupid comments from the back of the class. And everybody started cracking up, that kind of thing. You know, I got most comical, Marlene, my beautiful Marlene, who yeah. not with us anymore. Her and I got most comical in elementary school, junior high school, and high school together. And I mean, she was my, you know, my wing girl and we just made people laugh. She was great. So laughter is important. And I, uh, I have to say that uh, I'm, uh, thank God I'm laughing with you because this has been 10 shows of hell. No, 
I have had the best time with you, buddy. And we have a lot more to do. Uh, by the way, the, the, our next guest, you got to come up with. Come up with a good one for us, would you? Now we both get this. Stop with this. Who gets I know, but I'm just saying, I, I got two winners. And I, no, you got Frankie. All of them have been winners. Yeah, I mean, who cares? Who cares who we get? I, I care. I'm keeping score, okay? That's narcissism. We're a team. By the way, it's been making people laugh. Let's do a little business here. I work at Chuck's Tavern on North Durango. Right, we have another one on Fort Apache, and um, so I love it. great seafood, great gaming. You want to game, seafood, watch sports? Come on in. I work the graveyard shift. Great staff, Josh and Jeremy. That they, they run the joint. Um, love that. Now, what did you do to get the job? I want to talk to Josh and Jeremy. There we go, Johnny Cocktails Entertainment. That's what we do. That's my company. But let me ask you, Josh and Jeremy, what did you do to get the job? I mean, listen, you got a horrible personality. You're okay looking. You can't see a fucking thing. You have a raccoon on your fucking head. Name? Wait, wait. We had, we had, wait. We had Smiley. No. What, what did that Rob name name him? Uh, smooth. 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 Raccoon. Yeah, smooth. 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 Yeah. JB yeah. Smooth. Um, no, they made they made the best hire of their life by having you. Uh, I did. Uh, Josh and I are very dear friends, and I I I, had, I ran a place called the Montana Meat Company, the same company, the Steakhouse version. He ran Chuck's. He's been at Chuck's for 17 years. And uh, we always friendly. I mean, he's a funny, he, besides you, he's the funniest, quickest guy. We call him Johnny Carson because he goes out, does a loop, phenomenal sense of humor. His son, Jeremy, is in the business now learning how to run, you know, and he's terrific, young 25-year-old kid. So it was just, it's like being with family. It's great. We have a lot of laughs. Um, yeah, It's weird. Josh is a Lakers fan, an Eagles fan. And I and I think he's a Phillies fan. His kids a Phillies fan, an Eagles fan, and a Lakers. Yeah, same thing. Usually you're the you're the, you're the you have one city. So well, look at you. You're Golden State. I don't. Who's your baseball team, Brad? Love the Dodgers. I love a lot of. I just love Steve Kerr, and I love the way the Golden State Warriors play the game. That's why basketball is my favorite sport. But I'm telling you, they're going to win the next game, and it's going to be down to the Lakers. Got to win one of two. That's what I think. It's going to be – it's, it's it's not a given. Don't give it to the Lakers. Golden not, State shows up. You know, Just great basketball. I still like the Lakers, but I like Golden State a little bit more. Hey, what a, what a week, huh? Two in a row. And uh, I'll see you around the uh, – I'll see you around the uh, – uh, the, the, what do they say? I'll see you around the country club there, Fish. I'll see you around. As Fred Flintstone will say – Show number 10 is in the books, baby. We'll see you next week on Fat Fish. I'm Brad Granny Grunberg, and that is... I'm smooth, baby. I'm smooth Snyder with the raccoon hair and the Coke bottle glasses, baby. And thank you, Rob Mack. We love you, buddy. Thanks for coming on.